Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Ryan, how are things for you? <laughs> Good. It's already been a week. We were talking about that pre-show. And I also want to mention that if you're not checking out the show live or you're not watching the VOD before it disappears from the channel, you should definitely uh, check out this week's uh, VOD because I think your background is on... It, what do the kids say on it's lit is that what but it's not lit because it's not the burning of teldrassil it's to do with a game we're going to talk about we happy few but your background it looks like some very creepy british people are reaching to take you away yes i thought that this was a an appropriate background mm -hmm. <laughs> given the subject matter of today uh it's it's quite creepy as is the game in general um so we might as well jump right into it. So We Happy Few, we talked about uh, way long ago. Mm -hmm. I bought the original like early access title way, way back when it first released. I was really, really excited about it. I didn't play all that much of it. I played a few hours here and there, and every time they'd kind of do an update, I'd dabble again. But um, I haven't played much of it probably in the last year or so, just mm -hmm. waiting for it to, like, get released and for the final version to come out and everything else so um i because i didn't really want to like um play it too much in its early access state it's just kind of the same problem that i've had with every game i've had in early access it's like you play so much of like alpha beta early access whatever they want to call it and then by the time the game actually releases you're like okay i've already done all this like Mm -hmm. Not necessarily sick of it, but it's just like it doesn't have that same like, oh my god, brand new game! I've never seen this before. It's so fun, kind of feeling. So yeah. um, I strayed away from We Happy Few to let them kind of finish things up, polish things up, and and put out their actual release version. And it is a lot different than the last time I actually went through and played. Ryan, I know um, you didn't really play a lot of it in early access, right? If mm. at all. No, it was a so when this game was announced, this was two E3s ago, and it was a very, right. it was a very scripted single player campaign in the vein of like a Bioshock or or a Half Life, and and it was portrayed as this main character, and it was very cool, and that's what wowed people. But then as soon as you get right, out there of was that, like that like twenty minute like playable demo that mm -hmm. is still that is still the start of the game. It's still you start in your office, you have the redactor machine where you're supposed to basically like take out all the unhappy news stories. That's your job as Arthur, whatever his last name is, working at City Hall. And yeah. uh, the whole idea is everyone is all hopped up on this uh, drug called Joy, which basically like puts you in a like hallucinogenic type state where you don't see or remember bad things and uh that's still the same like core experience right at the start of the game is you are off your joy so you start to see things and remember things and then the people around you notice that you aren't as joyful as they are and they call you a downer and chase you out of the out of the uh out of the office and then you run through the sewers and then that's where the game kind of the, at least the open world exploration part although i've got to say the new build of we happy few doesn't feel as open as the previous version like i feel like the last time i played and i kind of i heard this that like a lot of the uh feedback to we happy few through its early access stage was basically like it was built to be a survival game mm -hmm. but then people were like oh hey this world that you built is really cool why isn't there a story like, why is this just a survival game? And uh, so they kind of put a story over top, which then to me feels like they closed in the world a lot. And I'm not that far. I only played like about an hour. Um, mm. I got to a point, I got stuck. I had to look at a walkthrough. <laughs> and that was like part of just like, it's still, it feels like they tried to do like, you mentioned Bioshock. Mm -hmm. My love of Bioshock is why I was so excited for this because it feels so similar, right? It definitely gives Bioshocky vibes, and uh, so I kind of um, totally lost my train of thought. 
Well, I think. Oh, it felt like they were aiming for that, but then they they're it's like an indie title, right? So the budget was a lot smaller. Yeah, well, and this is a this is an eighty dollar game now in in Canada. Is so, it? Yeah, it's a full priced uh, title. From from what I remember, a lot of people were a little surprised uh, when when we played it. In it, you're right. Like in its early early access, the idea was this is a sandbox experience. The introduction to the game was always meant to be this campaign style to kind of give you the world and then you would absorb the story through the exploration and when they heard the feedback they're like okay we we want to you know get back to the office work on this game and make the survival game but also build build the story you know not around not only around it but throughout it so you're right like the original uh game that we played a couple years ago was very much a a sandbox game with mechanics of hunger and sleep and exhaustion yeah. and joy levels. Wow, uh, I totally did not realize this. This this is so I'm looking at Amazon right now. It's mm -hmm. an $80 game or Amazon you can get it for 70. I am like 100% sure that I didn't pay that. No. When I bought into early access. Like I am I never would have paid that amount of money, so I'm 99% sure it was somewhere in the like 20 to 30 dollar indie title price range. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think in early access, I think it might have been like 30 or 40 dollars. So I think it was a different game what they were aiming it to was. do at the very beginning, and and what they've done is is uh, they've they've retooled it, and there is a sandbox mode coming uh, down the line. Uh, it's funny how in early access it was like this is a sandbox game with survival mechanics and then they retooled it and said no now it's a single player campaign and you can experience it. it it says sandbox mode is coming as a free update but there's also a season pass to add extra character stories um so we i, I played uh, i think just as much as you did just to, to kind of the first introduction of the character and made it through a couple of areas and stuff and the, I gotta say, first and foremost, the world and the story is top-notch writing in terms of, and just top-notch setup as well, in in the way that they've taken, uh, you know, World War II and the Nazis winning World War II and using that to build a story and not just doing Wolfenstein, where, yep, Nazis are evil, Nazis are bad, get your guns, let's do this thing. No, it's, it's Britain put under Nazi rule, but the Nazis aren't there. They've just completely controlled this this uh, you know Britain through through this drug uh, joy and kind of kept kept uh, the people down and there's like these sub stories about where are all the kids where are all the kids and it's really kind of dark and and very creepy and and it's interesting I want to see where it goes and and the story it's trying to tell uh, as we well I mean really like if, if we think about it like the the Nazis in World War Two. They were not good people. No. <laughs> so I think that's like the understatement of the century. But um, the point is like they basically, when they won the war, at least what I'm kind of gathering, they made a very, very, very smart strategic decision that like in order to control the population, they took all the kids that were under 13. So they were like, we're taking your children and don't attack us because we have all your children <laughs> yeah it's not to mention like now all the children are over in germany and therefore being raised under like basically not remembering britain not remembering their parents like being told the that the british are the bad guys like yeah. all that kind of stuff and then if you ever like ship them back to britain then it's like the British population is now super pro-Germany, even without joy. It's a brilliant military strategy. <laughs> uh, it's also something that, yeah, it's it's really dark too. It's and evil. It's, it's super evil. I, I'm just but trying. It's brilliant. <laughs> it, it, it's it's super evil. It's something that's happened throughout history, even in our own country, and it's something we're still dealing with here with with reconciliation and stuff. But like, yeah, you're right. Like, it's. It's super dark. I hadn't actually made that connection till now, and that makes a lot of sense, and also makes this game much, much uh, darker. And and f you know, crazy enough, this is actually a game uh, developed by Canadians out of Montreal. Uh, so that's also kind of interesting. I I don't think anyone. I haven't really read anything of, of people making that connection, but but yeah, like it. They 
it seems like what they've done is as opposed to taking the survival game and sort of sprinkling story throughout, they've decided to put the story, you know, front and center, shrink the worlds a bit, but the mechanics are still there of, of like food and hunger and stuff. But in, in putting the, the story front and center, I think you are able to experience it a little more as opposed to just discovering it like as you, you know, in, in little tidbits, like there are still like the memos and stuff you pick up, but the, the key story stuff that you're learning is usually through quests. Yeah. It's right in your face. Like just the fact that there even are quests. I I feel like the last time I played, there weren't even quests. So they've definitely kind of shoved the open world survival stuff over to the side Mm. and they've made something different. And I think that that's okay but it is not necessarily what people were originally expected. Like if you're coming back to We Happy Few after doing kind of what I did and your expectations are for it to be an open world survival game, that's not really what it is anymore. Um, if you are, if you were always hoping We Happy Few was gonna be more story driven and you wanted to know more about that world, they've definitely added that. And But you're right, Ryan, like the, mechanics of the game are still there but they're just not the main focus anymore Mm -hmm. to the point that and this is actually something that i really like and i kind of wish more games did this is you can have custom difficulty settings so you can go in and you can choose your easy normal hard difficulty settings or you can actually drill down further and say like I want my survival thing. So I want like my hunger and thirst to be really, really punishing. I want to put my survival stuff all the way up to hard, but I am really bad at combat. So I'm going to put my combat down to easy. And then, you know, like, or I'm really bad at stealth. So I'm going to put detection down to easy or I'm super Mm -hmm. stealthy. I'm going to put detection to hard. But then if they do find me, then combat will be easier. Like, so it's super, super flexible from a difficulty standpoint, which means you can almost kind of configure the game to your play style, which I think is really interesting. It's a lot, it's a lot better, I think, than just a straight up, like, easy, easy, normal, normal, hard. I I need to turn combat down because to me, combat feels like I'm just like running around swinging a wet noodle, you know, like I'm not... (laughs) It, it doesn't. Combat, really... I put uh, I put my combat on easy. I had everything else set to normal, sure. and I found that even on easy, I was like, I was taking a beating. <laughs> nah. Yeah, I I mean the encounters. Uh, I, from what I've seen, like the stealth stuff hasn't been. You know, it, it's usually with these type of games, you want one or the other. Like you want stealth to be really strong, or you want combat to be really strong. And I have I don't feel like either are very are very interesting. You know, compelling this, yeah you know, when you're in, when you enter stealth mode the 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 guards show like they're pathing and it's pretty telegraphed but even then like the guards walk in these abnormal ways and it, i'd find often that as soon as i i get one guard down the other's just like oh he's right there and it's like ah crap you know and uh i, I didn't really dig that so it's almost like maybe i need to turn detection and stealth down especially because the most mm-hmm. interesting part of the game is is the story and progression uh but i haven't found the survival stuff to be too intrusive like there's you're always discovering water and you have your canteen and you know sleeping is is fine but if it ever did become intrusive i'd i'd just turn it down to easy because again like it's not why you're playing this game and, and i think that's something the developers have been very upfront about is like look everyone complaining about this survival stuff like just turn it down like you're not being punished you know it's it's there for people who who originally wanted the survival game and when the sandbox mode comes out then maybe that's where i'll turn it i'll keep it all on normal and i'll experience it that way but the survival stuff isn't very interesting it's it's just a meter and you have to fill it up and Mm -hmm. there's it's just yeah it's the story that i'm most interested in and, and the environments Right. And then so that's kind of where um, the flip side of that, if you were coming to We Happy Few from a place of I want a really punishing survival game, you can make it a really punishing survival game. But I think that what's interesting about survival games is like the, the crafting system and carving out a place in the world and, you know, like doing the exploration, but having real risk tied to that exploration. And those are all kind of pieces that even if you ramp up the survival difficulty within what We Happy Few has become, Mm -hmm. then you've essentially lost the rest of those pieces of the survival game because they're really 
is no carving out your place in the world. And maybe that's what the sandbox mode will be. But right now it's mm -hmm. like, you don't necessarily have a home base. Like there are safe houses, but it's not the same as like building a house in like arc say. I don't remember um, if the early access version had building or had some sort of home base. I, I can't remember. I remember the safe havens were there, but I yeah. can't remember like if there was like customization or anything like that. But like, I, I'm just kind of thinking like I'm trying to think of all the survival games that I've ever played and kind of the hallmarks of those things. And uh, the kind of collecting and crafting is always a big part and the, you know, trying to survive. It's not necessarily like in We Happy Few, it very much seems like the survival stuff has just been whittled down to um, there's basically just hunger and thirst and meters that you fill up for those things. And if you don't, like say, if you're thirsty, then your stamina only can fill up to 80% instead of 100%. Like, mm. so it's not even, it's not that complicated. There's there's two meters. Like I'm thinking um, Subnautica is another one that I yeah. played recently. And uh, again, like I even played Subnautica with the survival stuff turned off, I think. I think I started with no hunger or thirst because I remember like killing fish being like, why would I kill all these fish? And it's because you have to eat if you have the super survival mode on. Fish but, sticks. Like, mm -hmm. the, the really interesting part about Subnautica was like having to push a, that little bit further to explore and find something that was going to then progress your story. Whereas like We Happy Few doesn't have that like search and survive feel it right. has much more of a like one foot in front of the other to progress the story feel. Yeah. Um, and that's just not what survival games are. So if you're expecting a survival game, even though this has a like sprinkling of survival pieces, it's not built that way anymore. No, but uh, there are benefits to boosting uh, your your meters above uh, or to 100% because it gives you a, a boost to stamina and, and a boost to running speed and stuff like that. You exhaust, you know, not quite as quickly. Uh, but I think if you are looking for just the survival beats of the game, then you're probably going to want to wait for A, a sale, and B, once they add in the sandbox mode. I, I, I also don't know if this game, like... When you price something at $80, like a video game at 80 bucks, there's just so many options out there, and I just don't think the quality is there for the price tag. Like, it's there's a lot of, like, weird animations and, you know, stilted animations and, and, and voice acting, and there's a lot, of, a lot of the character models all look very similar. Like, all mm. the guys look the same, all the girls look the same. It's, uh, yeah, so it's in, a little jarring. In the very first area, like the very first enemies that you encounter, I was actually super confused because like their story is, I guess, that like part of the initiation into their club is that they go and steal the hats from the policemen to show that they're like badass or whatever. But what that kind of ended up looking like is it looked like I was in a hideout full of policemen. Hmm. And because the models and the faces and stuff are all like exactly the same. So I was I was kind of like confused and like, oh, well, why why did the people who live in the wasteland look the same as the people who police the town? Like, <laughs> yeah, character models do seem to be a little bit lacking. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's got, it comes from a small team, but this might be the No Man's Sky syndrome again, where you've you've got this game that clearly needs to be priced appropriately. And again, I don't know the business side of it. I just know from a consumer you know, point of view. When we when we got our hands on the game, it was a lower cost. It was early access. We were buying into an idea as opposed to a fully fledged game, and and it has changed significantly since we we first purchased it. Uh, well, so... and that might have a lot to do with it too, right? Like offering your game up early access for essentially half price in order to get it actually made, and then dealing with player demands that would you know satisfying all those player demands to make it sell pushes it into a triple a title sort of uh goal territory because i feel like this is like and vampire didn't have the the early access buy-in part but it definitely mm. had the uh triple a expectations with indie res resources problem and i think that maybe that's where we happy few falls again but since they had the early access with the cheaper price point i feel like you know everyone who was super super excited about it 
bought in then and then they kind of started changing everything and had these big lofty goals all these quests and stories and all this like rp stuff layered on top of their survival game right and then then they were like oh wait we can't actually sell this for $35. We need to sell this for uh, like $70, $80. This this is taking like way too much. And in order to make our money back now, the few copies that we sell on release are going to have to be, you know, sold at that higher price point. We can't sell at $35 or we'll never cover our costs. So I feel like it might be kind of a vampire sort of a thing and again, it all comes down to like fan expectations. And and I think the big problem with early access, like if we Happy Few had shown that like demo of just the the kind of Arthur prologue of him working at City Hall, and that was all, they could have kind of gone anywhere with it. But then the fact yeah. that they, you know, changed it around so many times in development and had so much feedback from fans being like, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And they went, we'll do it all. Well, like if they'd never been in early access, they, yeah. they could have just made their game the way they wanted to make their game. So the interesting, the, the interesting part is like this, again, many comparisons to No Man's Sky because No Man's Sky was a new and different game. Sony got a hold of it. They wanted to showcase it. This was a big get for us to have at the presentation to be unique and different. And it's the same idea. You know, Microsoft had these guys on, unique and different. And actually last year, you know, Microsoft, or this year rather, Microsoft announced that they had purchased the studio. So these guys are going to be fine. You know, whether this game does well or not, like they are now a Microsoft first party studio. Their next game actually could be very interesting with you know similar to this game in in this vein like their next product backed by a console you know manufacturer and publisher of of first party games like this could be their next project could be very interesting because then now they're going to have that budget they're going to have that support uh it's going to be a xbox one or well whatever xbox or and windows pc game uh, but yeah, it, 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 it's very interesting. And I think the future for, for the studio is, is really cool as well. And it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, but there is a lot of content coming post, uh, post launch. I've, from what I've seen, they are selling a $30 season pass. Uh, so <laughs> probably to bump all of us super excited pre-order early access folks into the realm of a triple A price game. <laughs> yeah. And it's more campaign stuff. So it's like, it, it is the stuff that, I think you and I are most interested in. Um, well, I know it's it's something that I'm most interested in. I'm just trying to pull it up because uh, I want to see. Like, So the season pass is $27 Canadian. And it says here it will be available December 7th. And we'll have uh, three stories all based off the some characters. Three pieces of future content. Each add-on will be a new adventure that follows the antics of one of Wellington wells most notorious residences residents interesting interesting. yeah yeah it 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 sounds like more stories within uh the first little section of the game so yeah i don't know how long this game is either so i mean you and i have played a couple hours it'll be interesting to see how long it how long it goes as well yeah i think i'll probably stick with it um like i said i i got far enough to get stuck in a room and i couldn't get out so i had to google how to get out and uh it's yeah like i mean it has a couple of little i don't necessarily even want to call them problems maybe hurdles i guess maybe i'm looking for more of a puzzle to solve than it actually really is so what happened was uh you get stuck down in the bottom of an elevator shaft basically and you have to jump up onto a vent but in the tutorial part, when you had to jump over a filing cabinet, even though there was a ladder right next to you, there was at least a press A prompt. Mm-hmm. And then so then there was no press A prompt out in the world. And I had tried jumping, but I guess I didn't hit the exact right spot where I was supposed to jump. So I tried jumping all over the room, couldn't get up to anywhere. There was a ladder on the floor. I literally picked up all the bodies and threw them in a heap in a corner to get them off the ladder, thinking that then that would allow me to pick the ladder up, but I couldn't. So I had to go and Google it. And it's like, yeah, no, you just jump up on the vent. I'm like, I tried that. It didn't work. And then so I went back into the game and tried a whole bunch of other times. And finally, I hit just the spot, I guess, where the animation had been created. And then it let me get up. So I was like, wow, that was a little bit janky. <laughs> yeah, there, there are some some issues. Uh... And I was like, why didn't my character just pick up this ladder that's right here? 
<laughs> like why draw a ladder if I can't climb it? <laughs> it's it's all gross and sticky because there are a bunch yeah. of dead bodies on that Jocelyn. Like, there were a lot of bodies. Some I made of these a big, characters I made have a big standards. Pile. Okay. <laughs> Uh, That's true, I am still wearing my fancy business suit. (laughs) Well, don't stay fancy for long. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But yeah, no, I I dig what they're laying down with this game. I wish wish there was just a a bit... Like, you know, the comparisons to Bioshock don't do it any service because Bioshock, the original Bioshock, was was a a better crafted game, right? And that came out quite a while ago. But differences in studios, so like... It's I feel like it's not even necessarily differences in studios. I feel like it's just a sign of the times. Like, I feel mm. like we don't really get those like big single player AAA titles anymore without like a whole bunch of leaks and a whole bunch of bugs because things are being rushed out or they're in early access or like, you know, like when, Bio- when Bioshock first came out, it was like, here's our game. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> this is what it is. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I maybe I you're right. Like, I feel like things are just like expectations are so much higher and studios are expected to make things on the same budgets and it just doesn't work anymore. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, I mean, games are, you know, it's fact, they are very much more expensive to produce uh, these days. So, yeah, but then it, like they're much more expensive to produce these days. And I feel like games used to cost in and around like 60 bucks. So when you think about like how much a game costs to make, and we were actually just talking about this on Embrace the Spoilers because we just covered Inside Out and the budget to make Inside Out was like $175 million. And we were like, oh my God, it's an animated movie. Like it's two hours long. That seems like an incredibly large budget compared to like some of the other movies that we cover with like actual people doing crazy stunts, going to locations and, you know, like the, the cost to create animation which is basically what this stuff is right (laughs) like is is way way higher than you think and for the for like triple a title games to have gone from a 60 dollar price point to a 70 to 80 dollar price point so like adding another 10 10 or 20 dollars on top of the price to make the game i feel like the cost on the back end has probably gone up way more than that Mm -hmm. and uh like that's why we're seeing and i mean we talked about this a little bit with like shadows of bordor back when that came out the idea of just like loot boxes and you know seasons passes and all these other things that we have to buy and all these little cosmetic things that people make and how much we say like i for one i hate loot boxes 100 percent. i'll pay you two bucks for a new fancy shirt but i'm not gonna like i hate loot boxes i hate that whole idea of the randomness and whatever but point is studios need to now make money if studios don't do things like loot boxes and you know ways to get you to kind of constantly pay money after the fact then we're going to get things like we happy few that is probably a great game overall has a higher price tag but it's gonna have little glitchy bits and things that don't make sense and you know because that's what they could do with the budget that they have, even selling the game at 70 to 80 bucks. Yeah. There's a, an article I, I came across today. I think it was a, it was some business. They were interviewing a story with uh, Miyamoto from Nintendo. And he's saying basically like video game developers need to stop, um, you know, gouging uh, their consumers and stop, you know, taking advantage of consumers with loot boxes and, and, and all those microtransactions and, you know, it reads a bit like it, you can kind of get behind it and be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then it also reads a bit like Nintendo, like this is, uh, I mean, we have to find a solution. Now, Nintendo's solution is is to build products that appeal to a wide audience and, and build some, you know, build some products for people who, you know, um, are looking for a more mature experience or even a teen experience. But then also building like Labo something that is good for everyone and that makes a bunch of it's just cardboard they're making a pretty penny on it guys uh or amiibo you know that sort of thing to try to cover a large base well, yeah i was gonna to... say nintendo is also subsidizing their business with all mm-hmm. the stuff that's behind your head right now yeah but like, i think they what they're may saying... not sell loot boxes but they're still getting their extra 20 bucks on top of smash brothers because they yeah. made a mario figure for the hundredth time but i know when i that's <laughs> i think that's the difference is i'm not i'm not being taken advantage of because I, when i pick up that box i'm like oh 
this is the Mario amiibo that I want. Perfect. Here's the no, 15. I know, and and like I totally get that. But what mm-hmm. I'm saying is like um the it sounds like his argument is like don't take advantage of the consumer with loot boxes. Do it yeah. our way with little plastic figurines. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like that's the article the can be looked at both sides yeah. where depending on where you come from, like for me, I feel like, yeah, I don't really feel as taken advantage of when it comes to Nintendo products as I would with, wow, you know, it cost me $100 to play this expansion again. It's really great, but it still cost me a lot of money. Tons of content there. So that's not a problem. But I guess a better example would be like Heroes of the Storm. Like they, every two weeks, they announce a brand new piece of content. It's like, well, damn, like I'm not going to go in there and try to get it. And if I want to buy it outright, it's super expensive. But then Nintendo, uh, you know, that whole thing goes out the window when it comes to Fire Emblem Heroes, because that is a gotcha game where you are (laughs) buying blind loot boxes. So unless they plan on shutting that thing down, I think... You know, they kind of, I, I think they did it with Fire Emblem Heroes because it made sense for the type of game they were building, but they still don't feel like that's the way forward. So their next mobile game with Mario Kart and this other RPG they're building will be a a buy it once or buy expansion packs and stuff for it. But like, it's it's an interesting article. I don't think a lot of developers are doing it. I think it's just Nintendo saying like, oh, remember the loot box controversy like last year? We're actually going to comment on that now because we feel safe. You know, like it's been eight months. <laughs> we can we can make a comment now. Like that's what it really feels like because every other company was talking about this last November, you know, and now we're in August and Nintendo like finally kind of addresses it in, in a weird way. Uh, it's just really interesting. Actually, now that I think about it, like it's been eight months, like loot boxes are the only company that's really doing loot boxes is Blizzard because yep. they... They can do no wrong, Jocelyn. I don't know if you knew that. Um, hey, hey, I don't like loot boxes. I have never liked loot boxes. And we've had this conversation before. And I've railed against the new Heroes of the Storm 2.0 system. We're not going to do it again. No. We got way off track. That's we happy few. That's yeah. how we feel the first like hour in. So very, very, very light touch on this game right now i do plan to play a little more there are some like super creepy like parts of it too like it's definitely got that twinge of horror to it which i think is really interesting the concept of we happy few i'm glad that it it kind of it got a full release i'm glad they saw it through to the end and it didn't just kind of peter off the way sometimes early access titles do so i'm gonna play some more of it but man there were some like jump scary moments and like some houses i refused to go in (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll hopefully get some more time in over uh, the next few weeks and uh, have a little bit more of a deep divey view on We Happy Few and how it progresses. Um, speaking of Blizzard and things that they do, <laughs> Ryan, you want to talk... Guys, guys, this is Ryan. I did not put this in the notes. No. Just so we're clear. But Battle for Azeroth has come up again. How is your leveling experience going on the Alliance side? Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a common thread at least until September because like I only have so much time to play video games. I have an active subscription. I only put 30 days on there. So there's a little counter saying like, hey, you better play this game because you have 15 days left to enjoy it. And I'll probably do another month because like I, I am enjoying it. But um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about Battle for Azeroth probably each week, but not not to the scale of, of for Azeroth. That is still your main <laughs> Azerite vein, you know? <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, Battle for Azeroth, uh, still playing it. Alliance uh, zones are going well. I think I just hit 118 before we started recording. Nice. I got a chance to do the island expeditions, uh, which are interesting. I've only done normal, so I feel like anything I say here can be combated by do the higher difficulties. Um, so I feel like the island expeditions and correct me if i'm wrong it feels they feel a little grindy they're a nice break from leveling uh because i actually do appreciate the 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 fake uh player ai for the horde i think it's very it's different um yeah yeah. i mean the the island expeditions you're right they they do seem a little bit grindy but they do have a weekly cap or not necessarily cap but they have a weekly goal once you hit the weekly goal, then you can basically choose to go and play other content. They didn't make it constantly rewarding. So you can mm-hmm. pretty much hit the weekly goal with like four heroic wins and one normal win. So about five island expeditions will get you 
to the weekly goal. The weekly you basically, goal. Uh, you have to collect 40,000 Azerite. So uh, a win on a heroic will give you 9,000. A win mm. on a normal is 6,000. So it's it'll get you to your weekly goal. But what is the is the weekly goal just like a cap or is it like a quest? Uh, I it's kind of like a quest. Uh, so mm. once you hit that goal, then you get uh, either 1,500 or 2,500. I can't remember. It's some big, huge chunk of Azerite power, or I guess artifact power. AP, whatever the hell they, they settled on. I literally can't remember if they decided to just keep it artifact power over from Legion because they were calling it Azerite power. Anyways, AP. Okay. <laughs> Um, so the thing that powers up your neck, you get a big sploosh of it if you've uh, completed, if you've collected that number of, of resources over the course of the week. So once you go and talk to the dude down by the docks that lets you queue into your island expeditions, mm -hmm. there's, you'll notice um, there's like all the maps and the big, like, what do you want to queue for button? And then across the top, there's like a bar that fills up, like a progress bar. Do I need to be 120 for that bar to be filling up or? Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't do island expeditions until I hit 120. Oh, so to be I honest, I don't remember sure. any sort of flavor text for it. I mean, the heroics aren't available to me yet. Hmm. Um, maybe now that I've hit 118, but I, but I did, I did specifically want to talk about like just the, the fake player AI as someone who hasn't really dabbled in like my pvp experiences are like from vanilla and burning crusade and you know alterac valley and uh what's the other one arathian bass arathi arathi basin arathi basin arathi basin you know those pvp experiences so the way that the characters move as you're playing that game and you see them on the map and there's like a fog of war it makes it more fun but because it's ai my uh group mates they uh they could have zero interest in it. They just want to, like, hit things and collect Azerite and, and get out of there. But for me, I want to go in and, like, oh, I got to go for the healer and I'm silencing them. And I'm, like, I'm doing some, some ganking moves, even though I'm, like, a paladin. I don't know if paladins can gank. But it's it's been, it's interesting. But it just, it feels like I was hoping, like, it feels like there should be more to it. Um, it feels like a distraction. Similar to PvP, you know, Battlegrounds. Not a distraction. I shouldn't say that. It feels like just... A, a repeatable mode like i don't know i was kind of expecting like a little bit more out of it um like maybe war resources like all this azurite stuff i could care less about because like i just don't really see the benefit well, of it so so this is the thing for a player like you mm -hmm. you don't really need to do island expeditions they right. are for super grindy players like me who are going to be trying to push mythic keystones who are going to be raiding heroic and mythic levels like they are to push your azurite necklace as high as you can as fast as you can sort of uh... thing like so you don't really need to worry about your neck so much because you're not going to be like uh playing a whole lot of end game content like you don't raid Right. No, so, well, not right now, but no. I mean, <laughs> but maybe even like for for like LFR, yeah. like you, you're um, you not pushing island expeditions, you're going to have plenty of AP. Um, but for me, like I pretty much have to because the gear that I'm going to get that's going to drop out of uh, raiding once I start raiding is going to be locked to like. The first outer ring might be level 15. Okay. So without doing island expeditions, I there's no way I'm going to have enough artifact power to use the pieces of gear that are dropping for me. You're not going to have that problem. Hmm. Just by doing your natural progressions, like your world quests and your like normal and heroic dungeons and stuff, that's you're going to get plenty of artifact power. So you're going to be able to use the pieces that are going to drop for you. Yeah. So, I mean, it is interesting. I'll pop back in. I did a couple while I was streaming and it's 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 fun content. It's it's not boring. I know I've seen a few people say like it's a little it's not very repeatable, but I, I think it is interesting. Um, I've, every time I've gone in, there's I'm facing a new, you know, cast of horde characters. Like I think I fought Gazlo. You know, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, and yeah, no, I, I there. It's an interesting addition, and um, I want to see where it goes once I've hit max level and start trying new new difficulties and stuff. It um, the difficulty does ramp up 
pretty quickly. Like I found normal was basically like a face roll. It was super, super easy. And oh, then yeah. we tried heroic and it was like, oh my God, the Alliance team is actually like keeping up. Oh, hey, they're ahead of us. What? Yeah. <laughs> we better go find them and make sure that we kill them and set them back a little bit because they're they're going way faster than we are. So it's, uh, and I haven't done mythics yet, but, uh, hmm. and I also haven't done PVP ones. I would like to do PVP ones, but um, yeah. Haven't had a chance yet to do PvP island expeditions. And it's kind of like, I almost hesitate to do real PvP island expeditions because you're right, they're very repetitive and they're very uh, grindy. Hmm. So I'm like, why would I want to extend that experience by doing actual PvP ones? Because as far as I know, there's no bonus, like there's no real incentive to queue into a PvP island expedition. I'll have hmm. to double check that, but... It's like, unless they reward a much larger chunk of AP or if they reward me honor as well or something, then maybe it's worth it. But if it's just like another difficulty, I feel like that is like the ultimate difficulty and there's no AI that you're going to make that's as good as a real player. So I don't really think I'll ever do that. Like, why wouldn't I just grind heroics? Why would I make it harder on myself? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't really seen... Uh, I'll see once I get up there. I mean, I've also been doing, you know, the dungeons. I haven't been queuing for the daily... Um, the daily dungeon, daily random dungeon. I've just been doing dungeons as I get the quest to kind of experience that story. And uh, so those have been interesting. Um, I think I agree with you, and you were saying a lot of the dungeons have a lot of trash in them uh which ones have you completed um the stormsong valley one so the one where you actually fight the ashara folks uh or oh the naga okay yeah and then i did the waycrest manor which one <laughs> it felt it felt very much like i was playing luigi's mansion but in wow so that was a lot of fun <laughs> Uh, but there was just, there was a lot of trash in there, and, and it got confusing after a while as we were trying to find the final boss and stuff. But that one was the most that one was the most satisfying in terms of story. It felt very much beginning, middle, end in terms of that zone. Um, but I, the one thing I've been having an issue with is actually keeping my war resources. You know, uh, sort of. You know, I haven't been able to collect a lot of them. You know, yeah. I, I'm always running out. I, I, you know, at the very beginning, I had a good chunk of them, but now it's like I'm having to grind and get them and then start a, a research thing. And then by the time that research is done, I still haven't collected, you know, enough for the next research and to run missions. So I'm, I'm thinking once the, you know, my, probably my, uh, my world quest opens up, that's where I'll probably get more. Re re there's, more yeah, resources. there's lots of resources in world quests. There's also lots of resources in uh, treasure chests. So if you find treasure chests lying around the world, then mm -hmm. that's where you're going to find your resources. Okay. That's what I have been mainly getting them is, and from the rants, a couple random quests have given me like 50 here, 50 there. Yeah. Uh, but I think once I hit 120 and I start unlocking those world quests, I'll, uh, I'll I also, better. and again, like I, so I have two level 120 characters now mm -hmm. and I hit max on both of them fairly quickly with like two to three days of like in game of like play. Like I, I had a whole bunch of days where I couldn't play. So anyways, it took me about like two or three days, two mm -hmm. or three play sessions per character to, um, in order to get them to max level. And I, so because of that, I didn't really do many missions as I was like leveling up. It was like, I, I would send dudes off on a mission and then go level my character and then come back. And I'd be like, oh, I'm three levels further and I have all these war resources because I just did a whole zone of questing. Right. So See, I had to stop I, playing uh, and I would just use the app. <laughs> yeah. So this is the thing. Like I... Uh, I haven't really had that experience because mm. I leveled my character so quickly that now I'm at the point that I have world quests available to me. So in the real time time it takes for a four hour mission to finish, I had collected a whole ton of resources because I did a zone's worth of questing. Oh, so yeah. if you're questing slower than that, then I can see how, yes, you would definitely run out of resources. Me, I'm like, I got like 1500 resources right now what even do i do with all this yeah like i would get an hour or two in and then i'd go go to bed and i'd start a mission you know from my phone and then and then throughout the day i would kind of on my breaks i would queue up some more missions and then it uh, wasn't actually on his breaks you guys it was it was on my break <laughs> uh 
I get a lot of breaks. Anyways, and it only <laughs> takes like two seconds. Um, because, because I only have one character. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, I, I've been really enjoying the app. And, and yes, once I hit 120, all the world quests will start popping and I'll be fine. But I think right now, because of the way I'm leveling, I am I am hitting that, that, that cap. But yeah, I, I mean, I am going to talk you know, bring it up more as I keep playing. So I don't want to, I don't want to run into the ground on the second week, but I, I'm still really enjoying it. I love that I'm catching up on my podcasts because <laughs> I, uh, I just haven't been listening. I've, I listen to my podcasts at work, but, um, I haven't had that passive experience, uh, in gaming in a long time. So world of Warcraft, Heroes of the Storm was always a great, a great opportunity for me to listen to podcasts and watch, watch Netflix and stuff. I've always seen WoW as like this passive you know, if I'm not raiding or, or if I'm not raiding, uh, whenever whenever I raid, I, I would have just the game on. But because I'm just questing and reading reading stuff, I can listen to music and I can listen to podcasts. I'm really enjoying that, uh, being able to do that. And I, know, I and I think that's kind of the only way I can play WoW now because there's a lot of quests that are are, are a little they're they're not really they're not really the the most interesting ones, right? You hit those zones where it's like you just want to complete it, but there's not a whole lot going on there. That's really interesting because um, I feel like, well, the we talked about this on For Azeroth uh, last episode, is the idea that, like, I, f- I found the zones so packed full of quests that you're right, some of the, the quality on some of them was quite low, but then the quality on others was really, really high. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, there's this really cool quest that seems like, it should be main story, but then you get all the way to the end of it and you're like, oh, that actually wasn't main story. Okay, I guess I should try to get back on track now. So it's like, you can definitely get sidetracked, I feel like in this expansion more than ever before because Mm -hmm. there's so much side content. So yeah, I feel like that's probably what what you've done because I feel like anyone I talk to who's leveled through on the Alliance side has said the story's really compelling, it's really interesting, like, the way that the Kulterans work is very, very interesting. The way that their society works is cool. All the different houses and stuff are unique enough. And uh, it feels like in some parts very like Game of Thronesy. Yeah. And they've talked about how, how really compelling the Alliance side and the Alliance story is. So I feel like maybe if you're not finding that, you're getting side quested. <laughs> yeah, I didn't find but it as much in Dressfar, but uh, Stormsong Valley, I did the I somehow stumbled across the the path, uh, the critical path, and I did like half of the achievement, but still got the dungeon quest, which signified like the end of the zone. Um, oh. So I, I kind of like, oh, okay, well, I guess I can move on now, and the rest is all fluff. Uh, but with Dressbar, I did it all, and, and yeah, there are there are sections. I think that one was the, that has been the strongest so far because now I'm doing the zone that includes the main the main city, Borolus or whatever, and it it is feeling pretty pretty disjointed uh mainly because i fell off the main line there was a bugged quest and i just like all right i'll I'll abandon this and and do it later uh and then i just started to pick up side quests so yeah i'm um i I, you know i listen to the podcast while i'm doing questing like clicking this and killing that but once once there's actually story and progression happening in the game like i would pause it and i i just listen in because i'm definitely still playing it for the story uh, it's just outside of those moments where, where there's, it's, it's just me killing stuff. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you, you just got a little, little derailed there, but I will tell you, um, because this is something that I didn't realize until someone pointed it out in our raid chat. Um, but there is an overarching quest line at the end of all three zones on both sides that you're going to want to do but it doesn't open up until you finish the achievements for each zone's story. So you have to complete all the chapters in all three zones in order oh. to access the final quest line. So maybe I should go back to Stormsong Valley. So you probably should, like whether you want to do it now or later, but you should go back and try to figure out where that main quest line is is and how to get back on it because it will, if you don't complete those last couple of story bits, then it will... Uh, hide some story and some lore from you at the end hmm. all right i'll go do that I, I i've enjoyed all the zones that have their own flavor to them so i have really enjoyed going 
I felt like Stormsong Valley went pretty quick. So yeah, I have no problem going back there and, and trying to pick up the, the breadcrumbs. So I look forward to uh, doing you that. You might, uh, from what I hear, you might actually want to do that last. Like if you finish oh. up Tear Guard Sound and then move on to Stormsong Valley because Stormsong Valley leads right into the next, like the big overarching quest line. So it might actually be good that you haven't uh, finished up all the stuff in there. So, okay. I'll but yeah, that. I look forward to hearing more about the Alliance stuff. Alliance is next on my to-do list is to level up an Alliance character. So I'll get there. Cool. Maybe I'll I, catch up to you ne by next week. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my weekend is looking very slim in terms of uh, wild time. I think, I think tomorrow I might have some time and then, yeah, it's out the window. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. Uh, wanted to remind everybody that we have a patron ad this week from Simon, who says Weekly News Desk is a podcast all about the geek news this week. You can join your two Knucklehead hosts, Andrew and Simon, as they keep you informed on movies, TV, video games, and books. You can find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. And that patron ad comes to us from our Patreon campaign over at patreon.com slash gamersin. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. We have reached our game night goal again, so we mm -hmm. will be playing Overcooked 2 right after the show tonight. So if you're watching live, don't go anywhere if you'd like to join in the fun you can go to bit.ly slash tgi discord which is where we have our game night voting as well as our chat channels for patrons so if you guys are interested in hopping in please go over to patreon.com slash gamers in and support the show and anyone can join our main discord chat channel so we look forward to hearing from you guys over there that brings us to our topic of the week this week we're just doing some news odds and ends here so Ryan, you put this one in here. For mm -hmm. Honor Starter Edition is free. Yep. For another five days. So if you haven't played For Honor, uh, I know I haven't, and I just saw this. It was a new story because I guess it set a new Steam record for the game. Not necessarily like a Steam record, but uh, for, for For Honor, and they had like concurrent 250,000 players uh, at the same time. And the Starter Edition is... Uh, it, it, is it, I think it's like a $15 value, but they're giving it away for free. Um, and you can pick that up in the next five days. And it's as easy as uh, just clicking on the install button and then it's added to your account. You don't even actually have to install it. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for For Honor, that's a great way. It was a, it's an Ubisoft sort of brawler, I think, like a, like a third person combat game, sort of arena combat maybe, I think is the best way to describe it. And it's the one with the knights, the samurai, and another one. I feel like I heard people talking about this game, but for whatever reason, I never got into it and it never really seemed to catch on. So I feel like this is a really good move for them to kind of buff their player base, especially if we're looking at like a PvP brawler sort of thing. Like if you are looking at it in a PvE perspective, then your player base doesn't really matter. But if you're trying to do things like match queues, then you know, a small player base is not a good thing. So good move on them. Yeah. And the cool thing is that this is a, this is a game that's being supported by Ubisoft. They have a, a season pass, they have a, a normal edition and it's all on sale right now as well while this five day thing is going on. But uh, yeah, if you are interested, I think the starter edition also comes with access to the campaign. That's not the main draw of the game. Like you said, it, the main draw is the PVP portion, but you're not being hampered by having the starter edition. You do have a version of the game that will allow you to play a majority of the PvP. Uh, I think it just forces you to choose one of the one of the character classes, uh, and that gives you customization options. The other are still playable, but you can't customize them unless you you unlock them through in-game mm -hmm. progress. So, yeah, check it out. It's free. I mean, click of the button, it's on your account, and you can check it out later. So it's it's very easy to just uh, get on that. Very cool. The other piece of news we have for you this week, I mentioned Game of Thrones earlier mm. with World of Warcraft and the way that the uh, the Colterans and their whole society works, but uh, actual Game of Thrones news. In October, we are getting a mobile game. It's the Reigns franchise. So Ryan, I feel like you played this like yep. way back and yeah. I never gave it a try, but Putting a Game of Thrones skin on top of an existing game is pretty much a go-to way to get me to pay attention. So now I'm like, ooh, this is coming out. Ooh, this game sounds really cool. And then I was like, I'm pretty sure Ryan talked about this game already, and I'm just like a terrible co-host. No, <laughs> because I was, was like, when Ryan was talking about it, I was like, meh. Now they're like, ooh, Game of Thrones version. They changed the names of the characters. I'm in. <laughs> it's it's a mobile game. Uh, it was it, it's. 
it's interesting in that like when it first came out, it's like oh it's the tinder of smartphone games and basically it's a swipe left swipe right mechanic and but in this case they've they've taken the the idea of it the swipe left swipe right to make choices there are four main categories of like financial religion government military uh and then you you pick your leader in this one of four leaders unlocked from the beginning being uh Tyrion, Daenerys uh probably Cersei and Jon Cersei and Jon thank you it's been a while a year without Game of Thrones everything in my mind has just like it's vacated to the back it's of the room it's just gone it's yeah. all full of like repetitive children's shows now <laughs> yeah i mean paw patrol is like right front and center but like if you ask me like what happened in the last season of game of thrones i'm gonna need to watch a you know a re uh, a recap of that uh but man i can tell you how great marshall is right now um but no when it comes to reigns game of thrones uh, you you pick your leader, and the idea is that you don't want any of the four atop the uh, on the top of the bar to get too high uh, or too low. Uh, that causes a fail uh, state where if if the military gets too high, then your king loses its head because you know the military they use swords. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just very very technical. Um, so in this game, it sounds like some of the characters will have special special uh, abilities. Like, for example, Tyrion, if your financial side goes too low, you never lose that state because he's always able to talk himself out of a debt, you know? Um, so it's, Which I think is a, it's a cool, true-to-the-story type mechanic. Yeah, and it seems like they're having a lot of fun with it. And at $4 uh, coming out in October, you'll be able to check it out on iOS, Android, and PC um so it it looks really cool and they've and they've actually stated that they've added some uh some differences to the games as well like mini games so in the past it was always story based swipe left or right for um for choices choice. yeah. and uh but now it looks like they're gonna have some some micro games in there to kind of mix things up uh, i was gonna say i don't really see how a, a left right swipe game would necessarily translate onto pc i feel like that would get super boring i think but, it's just uh, you know probably left or right on the keyboard yeah is how i would do it but but yeah i i feel like that's the kind of thing that i would sit and play in the car but i it would have to be like very compelling story and really interesting background mechanics and choices to be made like i don't know there there's have to be a whole other level of complexity in order to get me interested to play something like that on pc like if i'm sitting in front of my pc yeah i'm gonna be playing something like any of the other games that we talked about, I'm not going to be playing something as simplistic as read and swipe left or right. <laughs> I I think it's like for people who uh, who don't have Android or smartphones, right? But uh, I yeah, know I guess who so. those people are. But um, <laughs> literally, my mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, I just got an email from my mom being like, "Can you take a look at this flip phone for your dad? It's the only kind that Bell has, and his ten-year-old one's broke now." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, mom!" You should have broke all the ones in the Bell store too, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I guess people who don't own s smartphones are also using Steam. I don't know that for a fact. That might be a terrible thing to say, but I know my mother-in-law doesn't use Steam, and she would not be interested in this game. Uh, so no, I, I'm interested in though. I I'm looking forward to this because I actually skipped. There was Reigns, the original, then they had Reigns Queen Edition, and I never picked that one up. But these games are are, are very inexpensive. You can probably pick up the original one uh, on the cheap uh, in, in a sale or something. And I would highly recommend, if you are interested in this one, to, ch to check out one of the original ones to kind of get an idea of how it would play. Because it, uh, it is very addicting as you swipe through, and then when you lose... You know, you're like, oh, crap, I made a mistake. I'm going to go through again. And every playthrough is different, you know. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like this one will be even more different because you have different leaders to choose from. Uh, right. So that's really cool. Yeah, and I, I kind of like the hook that they employ with this, too, because the uh, apparently the whole idea of, like, the original Reigns is, like, your kings and queens are constantly dying and then like their kids are taking over the kingdom, right? But with Game of Thrones, you don't have that. What you have is Melisande looking through the flames to be like, what would it be like if this person was king? What would it be like if this person was queen? Ooh, I wonder if they'll make different choices this time. So it kind of open, keeps all of the characters you know and love open, regardless of how many times you play through, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. No, it's going to be really, it looks really interesting. 
and you're right about the cost too. I think the they said the Game of Thrones version is going to be three ninety nine on all the mobile stores. So uh, you can probably find old non branded versions of this, like just the original Reigns titles, are probably I would guess like one ninety nine and two ninety nine. Which, like I've always said in mobile games, make them cost money, and I will buy them gladly. Yep. <laughs> just There's no don't microtransactions, put ridiculous in this one. microtransactions, and a hundred currencies in it, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. If, if for no other reason, that's another reason to buy this game to encourage this kind of mobile development. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. Again, if you are watching live, don't forget to stick around. We are going to be playing some Overcooked on stream afterwards. If you guys aren't watching live, then what are you doing? Why aren't yeah. you joining us every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin. You can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn or Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you think about We Happy Few, we'd love to hear it. You can email us at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Here we go.